0: So, next Wednesday, October 23rd, we're going to bring it to you live. Multifamily Foundation Podcast is ready to launch. Imagine if you could not fail. If the foundation of your multifamily business had a blueprint that was built by the best. Well, this is what the multifamily... Foundation podcast gives you. We're going to bring you actionable content with tools to strengthen your multifamily business. From finding deals to raising money to asset management, we will give you a formula for success. Now, this comes with entrepreneurship. It comes with lifestyle. It comes with building yourself so you're ready to take down, whether it's a four unit or a $25 million deal, we're going to bring you the resources to make that happen. Are you ready to build your foundation? If you are, listen in. Let's do this. This is the Real Estate Foundation, your show for massive action with proven results. Raise your life and your legacy with real estate. So before we dive into the show, we wanted to say thank you so much to all the listeners out there. It's always great to have you dive in with us on all these great topics we were to have able to have. And if you want to hear more about us, go to urussiholdings.com. You can find everything about us from projects we're working on, more about our team members, how we break it up, and all the resources we offer. And if you want to invest, learn more about investing with us there. Also, make sure to check out our multifamily meetup if you're local here in New Jersey. We run the New Jersey multifamily investment meetup, and it happens to be every second Tuesday of the month uh, here in North Central Jersey. So if you're in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, make sure to check it out. And lastly, if you want to learn more about investing in apartment buildings, go to multifamilyfoundation.com. All right, check out the show. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Real Estate and Foundation Podcast. Here with Jason and Peely today. It is Jason as Peely is out there tackling on deals, but we are super excited for today's program. We've been working for a while to have Ryan Inc. on the show. Hey, Ryan, how you doing?
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, and you've got the perfect radio voice, by the way. Radio better
0: than face, right? So on that point, I'm taking it all the way. So Ryan has the best background. If you're here watching us on YouTube, you can see his background. It was Actually, his house down in New Orleans is just incredible. So definitely check us out on YouTube. For one, you can get this great view that Ryan has. But a little bit more about Ryan. Ryan is the founder of Columbia Real Estate Investment Club, the author of Rolling Real Estate Formula, and owner of an RV rental fleet. He's also built $2 million indoor sports arenas in New Orleans uh, area. He started his investing journey as a corporate drone selling copiers at ION Icon copy solutions and left that job in 2007. And today, he's helped over a hundred people change their life dreams by earning passive income with real estate. And people come to Ryan because he's already helped multiple people reach six figures in passive income by teaching them how he still invests today. And he demonstrates how to invest your way out of debt, real estate investing strategies, how to pick a strategy that works for you, and the four principles of overcoming the fear mm-hmm. of investing. So really awesome topics. Really appreciate you coming on the show today. And just let's start back then. There's a lot of people that are probably listening today that are saying, well, I'm here in this job that I'm not really feeling passionate about, that I'm not really excited about. And I I just, I don't know what I don't know. And I don't know how to take that step out of this job. Well, how did you get from selling copiers at Icon Copy Solutions to leaving the job? What was it?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's it was actually a really really big gut check. I went from uh, teaching religion at a high school, and then uh, that was when my wife was pregnant for our first child, and Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, and so um, we were <laughs> we were actually uh, you know homeless for a while. But the school where I was teaching was ten feet underwater. I started scrambling to find a job, and then I finally got this job selling copiers, which. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Office Space, where they take the copier in the backfield and beat it with a baseball bat. You know? Incredible movie. Yeah, That's yeah. basically how people felt about me when I walked in the door unannounced to try to sell them a copier that I didn't even like, you know. And it was just, it was, it was the kind of job where I think a lot of your listeners might be able to relate, where you wake up in the morning with anxiety, um, you're not fully focused on your family when you come home because you're worried about some sort of stress at work. Um, I was a sales rep, so I had quotas that I had to meet, and I actually just hated you know the, the whole process. I uh, learned a lot from it i don 't want to say the whole thing was a waste. learned a good bit um, in that job, but just not something that I enjoyed doing so I actually was driving across the way in New Orleans, uh, which is the longest bridge in the world across Lake Pontchartrain from the north shore to the south shore and it 's a very methodical you know, kind of a dump, a dump, a dump. It's the same speed for about 40 minutes. And, um, I had just gotten chewed out by a Catholic monk, actually, who I sold a copy or two. And, uh, for, you know, it's one of those things where there, there's, and people could probably relate to this too, that, you know, you might be the only point for a customer, but there's 34 other people involved in the transaction. Everybody else could screw up, but you, but you're the one that gets chewed out for it. And so I just got, you know, a, a chewing out session from this, this monk and I hung up the phone and I was like, I have really hit a low point in my life here where I'm waking up every day with anxiety, not present for my family, fluctuating between anxiety and depression, getting chewed out by Catholic monks. Can't get much worse than this. So I, I had this thought, I, I did, you know, pray a little bit and this thought question came in my head and it was the question, what would you do if money didn't matter? I thought to myself, well, let's say I had a million dollars in my bank account. What would I do? I would probably play music because I play guitar and sing. Um, or I would uh, open up an indoor sports arena because I love sports. And so um, I never had this thought before. And I called my wife and we had never had this talk before. And I said, hey, you know, obviously, you know, I'm miserable. Say uh, we had a million dollars in a bank account. money was no issue. What could you see me doing if if money didn 't matter she said i don 't know maybe opening up like an indoor sports arena or uh, playing music or something. So I took oh. that as a sign, and I was like all right i didn 't have any money at the time. I had you know pretty much just overdraft fees in my checking account, but I just decided to start pursuing it and um, and then shortly after, there was kind of a a, a progression of thought, but shortly after pursuing it. I decided that I was going to use real estate as the vehicle to free myself financially to replace my working income with passive income so I could pursue my dreams. And long story short, three years later, I opened up the indoor sports arena. And a year later, I opened up uh, another one uh, on the other side of New Orleans.
0: How cool is that? That's a tremendous story. And let's talk about that first real estate opportunity if you remember, do you remember, I, cause you, you said you're going to use real estate as that, that vehicle. How did you choose on that vehicle? And what was the first thing that you stepped into?
1: Well, I actually, you know, I, everybody goes through this phase of educating. And so I, I first educated myself, the rich dad, poor dad books, all this stuff. But at a certain point, you know, I, I was like, all right, now I'm hitting analysis paralysis and I don't have time to waste. So I just got to get out there and start doing it. And, let life teach me how this process works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started getting out there, driving around, and uh, really putting in, putting in offers. That's the name of the game for real estate is just making offers. You don't know what's the deal until you make an offer. And so um, I put offers in on single family, multifamily. I, just, I really didn't have a good idea of like the strategy for my situation. I was just like, I'm just going to start you know, offering at everything. And uh, one of the first deals that I remember, now I had my own private residence that I had rent out. So I, I had like a single family rental already. Um, but the first deal as like an investor, didn't buy it myself and then move. Um, it was a fourplex. And I ended up getting it with owner financing. I used a home equity line of credit as a down payment. And then I got the guy to finance the rest of it and ended up cash flowing $750 a month. So that was a, that was a good start. Amazing. And if you
0: think back about what you did, a lot of people get, they get stuck, right? They can't do anything. And then when they go, they'll maybe just hone in. You just spread a wide net and said, I'm just going to start offering on things. Yeah. Would you do that again? Cause it seems like that, that's a great way just to get after it. Right. I mean, you don't know, you don't know. And sometimes that's what needs to happen because if you, if you try and find out everything, you never really get anywhere.
1: Yeah. Well, I would, I would definitely recommend, um, getting a mentor to help you, but I would probably do that again, but maybe with the assistance of a mentor to nail down a strategy because I was swinging at so many different strategies until once one would stick that I think I wasted a lot of time doing that. If I had just like a narrowed laser focus uh, on what I should pursue with my specific situation, then, uh, then I probably would have done better. But I, sure to answer your question, I definitely recommend just getting out there and doing it because you will have success. Something will stick yep. you know, somewhere. And even if you have a mentor, the biggest problem that people with mentors have is that they don't actually do it. They don't yep. actually you know, uh, take action and go out and make offers. And you're coming off
0: the point where you have Hurricane Katrina. It sets you out of your home. You have this job that you hate. And it almost gave you the point, right, where you go out there and take action. What's the worst that could happen? And because sometimes people don't really have these points of down and downward. And they're, they're so worried about the end of the world happening. But ultimately if you start making offers, it's not like you're stuck having to take the deal if it ends up being a bad deal or, or they're not going to come take your dog. If it's the wrong real estate, right. opportunity. you know, it's just, you just get out there and take action. So kudos to you. I mean, that's incredible. Well, let's talk about the sports arena, right? Cause I think another part playing in this is that you had a big why, right? You are gonna go out there and, and get this sports arena open. So tell me how that, how that transcended? Like, how did that come about?
1: Well, the first thing was, um, I, I basically was like, all right, I want to open up an indoor sports arena. I have no idea how that business model works. I just know that I like sports, you know, and I want to be around it. It sounds like it'd be fun. You know, I played indoor soccer up, uh, up in the north in college. And uh, I, I felt like that turf, that little infill turf, I was like, this is awesome. You know, it'd be awesome to do this. But I had no idea if it was going to be profitable for my family or anything else like that. Sure. Um, so the first thing I did is, you know, I, I take a, a page from, I don't know if it was Aristotle or Plato, who said, know that you don't know. Uh, maybe it was soccer teams. I don't know. But uh, it was basically, know that you don't know. And I was like, well, I don't know. So I went looking for a consultant and ended up hiring a consultant to help me get started. Used, used credit cards to pay for it. <laughs> Wow.
0: Wow. That's yeah. incredible. And tell us, what was the focus when you got it open? Was it just all on all rec sports or it, what, what did you eventually do with it?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's actually a u- unique, um, it's a unique model because everybody thinks that if you open up a sports arena um, that you're going to have like the most competitive leagues. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, you know, I love competition. I love the trophies. Um, But there's an 80-20 rule that applies in life with most things. You can can apply it with real estate. You can apply it with indoor sports arena. And that's that of 100% of your customers, the 20% who are the worst, if you focus on those, will push out the 80% opportunity. And so what you really need to do is focus on your true customers. And, And again, that applies to real estate. It applies to all kinds of things. So what I learned was, my customer is not the competitive soccer or football player because they think that I should pay them. They think that uh, <laughs> you know the constant referee complaints, fights, you know that sort of thing. My customer is the over thirty, fat beer drinking guy that just wants to get out of the house once a week and have fun with his buddies. So that's incredible. That's, yeah. incredible. that's how indoor arenas, uh, successful ones, run. How'd you, how'd you do the metrics on that? <laughs> well my consultant told me and I didn't believe him because I just wanted to I wanted to like have my own competitive league that I can compete in. But sure. I quickly learned as a business owner, I'm like, I've got way too many headaches. I'd rather the guy that pays me than the guy that wants me to pay him because he thinks he's a semi pro or whatever. Yeah. You know. So oh, awesome. it was kind of a trial and error.
0: So where did you go after this? Like us that's fast forward to today, because now you've taken this where where you you're going from selling copiers to doing your first deal, getting a fourplex that's now cash flowing $700 a month to opening up a sports arena and just having huge success with that. Now today, you're doing a lot of different arenas in the real estate space. You have a book that's out. Tell us more about your journey.
1: Yeah, so, you know, really how it accelerated for me with real estate is, you know, I kind of took it in phases and I think a lot of people follow the same formula. And if you could follow this formula, there's really no reason to guess at it. You know, I started out with little to no money. Um, And so I started wholesaling, you know, and I started looking for deals and things that I could do with no money. So creative financing, wholesaling. Uh, Obviously that first deal I got was creative financing, no money down. And I just kind of looked to be creative. I didn't have any money. So I was like, well, I've got some equity in my house. I've got decent credit, get some credit cards. I can muscle up, you know, some sort of down payment if the guy finances the rest. And then it just kind of exploded from there. I started putting my, you know, some of the deals on Facebook, and uh, you know, it was actually amazing how many people were interested in real estate, but nobody really goes in, out there and does it. So I ended up finding some money partners, and so then I was able to buy houses in cash. And when I was at that point, I, I really started working the foreclosure sales. And when I would buy them at foreclosure, typically at 75% of the appraised value in all cash, I'd pay my investors off right away because I would just refinance this house that I owned in all cash with the bank uh, on like an equity line of credit or something like that. And then with the property, I would use lease options. So instead of uh, selling the house and instead of just renting it out, I basically owner finances to other people. So in that way, I'd get ten to $60,000 down plus monthly cash flow. And if they ended up buying the house from me three or four years from now, um, it was great. It made me feel good that I could help somebody become a homeowner again. And if they didn't, I, get, I got to keep that option payment and do it over again. So I really gained some wealth very fast doing that because I could buy house after house after house after house, leverage the equity with the banks, owner finance it to minimize my risks and increase the potential that I could make on the property. So I developed this large single family portfolio doing that strategy. And at that point, um, I had published, not in a braggadocious way, but published my success on Facebook and social media. My friends, my networks knew um, what I was able to do. And um, and so at that point, I had a lot of people that wanted to invest. And I thought to myself, well, foreclosure sales are kind of risky. Single family is kind of risky to have people invest and you can't inspect the house and um, I want to be a good steward of other people's money and I want to make sure that they are investing and not just speculating. And I wish somebody would have told me that early on in my investing career, the difference between speculating and investing. And um, so I thought, well, why don't I go for some of these bigger multifamily million to $5 million deals and use other people's money and just kind of syndicate it. And so I followed the model with that. And um, and that takes me to today. Um, I like to help people um, reach those same milestones. The formula is easy. I mean, it's well documented. It's out there. All you got to do is be a good follower of the formula. You don't have to make things up. Um, So I I like to, you know, especially people who are in the same position that I was, that are in the grind and the rat race, uh, they don't feel like they can be present for their family. Um, I feel like I get a lot of fulfillment. I still invest in property all the time, but I get a lot of fulfillment in helping people and mentoring people. And so one of the things that I did, you, you, you mentioned the book, one of the things I did to help people get started, because a lot of people are in the same phase as me, you might be working this job and you're like, ah, I've got overdraft fees in my bank account. You don't really know how to leverage the kind of capital you have. So I wrote this book called the Seven Day Real Estate Survival Blueprint, how to create $10,000 out of nothing in less than a month. And what the book shows you is it shows you two strategies, one is a sandwich lease option, And the other is wholesaling. And I really just kind of approached it from the mindset of, say, I was dropped in the middle of some random city in the US. I had no network. I didn't know anything about real estate investing. Um, But I had a step-by-step guide, a book to help me take an action step that would give me the best chance of having a $10,000 check at the end of the month. So I really break it out by the hour what I would do on 11 o'clock uh, on Tuesday uh, to make sure like basically step-by-step action plan uh, of what I would do to make sure I had a $10,000 check at the end of the month. So that's what the book is about.
0: That's incredible. So you're doing this step still actually this. but and I, I guess the, the direction I want to go with it is that you said something about having the steps to do this and they're, they're just out there. That is so true, but why, why do you think people just don't take the steps? Is it that we always think there's something that we can do better, or, or is it that there's just too many shiny objects and we just we don't focus?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I think that, you know, and I, and I think you're right. A lot of shiny objects and we don't focus, and I think that fear is an element to that. Like, you know, you might see that this is a formula that works Does it really work for my situation or has the market changed? People like they come up with excuses out of fear, Mm -hmm. Uh, but really, you know, you could chase the shiny objects that are the new things, but there's time tested models, sandwich lease options, foreclosures, wholesaling, uh, syndicated apartments. Those are all time tested models. And so really it's about understanding which of those formulas work. and Don't chase the newer shiny objects until they're proven. You know, I, I actually for a long time was mentioning to people like, look, Airbnbs, they're great. There's a huge opportunity. It's a brand new opportunity. It's amazing. But guess what? It's not a proven opportunity yet. You know, as far as time tested, it's I mean, three or four years old. Mm-hmm. And I have Airbnbs that the county just came in and said, hey, sorry, bam, no more Airbnbs here. And I'm left holding the bag, you know? Yeah. So, um, so my recommendation to people is, Look at those time-tested strategies: syndicated apartments. People will always need a place to live. People will always be renting apartments. You know, single families, you know, rentals. Those those will always be around. So, I'm not sure if I got sidetracked or if I actually answered your question. But no, you
0: did. Just, I, I think sometimes we all find, try and find like like the Airbnb. Uh, Model at somewhere someone's going to find a great direction. People are very successful with it, but is it going to be tried and true? That's still to be determined, right? But there's so many paths that you talked about. You know, lease option, single family, syndicated apartments that that have been around uh, forever, and people are doing them and doing them successfully and doing them consistently. If you just follow those models, you know, same thing we did with just buying apartments. We just found other people that were doing it successfully and just followed their steps. And if you can do that and just find those guidelines. Sure. You're going to take missteps, but it keeps you in the path of finding your journey because you've already seen people accomplish it. Um, Mm -hmm. lease options, right? I don't know if we've actually really dived in on a show on lease options. Would you mind giving us an example of a, of a property, maybe how you found it and mock numbers of what a deal may look like just so people can understand the concept.
1: Yeah, actually I'll give you, I'll give you one of my best deals. Um, uh, working the foreclosure sale, I bought this property at 134. I put about 10 grand or so into it, so it was at 144, um, but really I could get about 229 for it. So I could have just sold it outright. 229 would be the max that I could get for it. I could have just sold it outright um, and just kind of flipped it, played the flipping game. But then I lose the opportunity for passive income. Uh, And that's the money you make while you sleep, the rental income that comes in. And I could have just leased it, but then I'm dealing with all the headaches as a landlord where I'm going out and fixing plumbing and fixing pipes and everything else like that. So I put it up for owner financing. And I normally give people three different options. You know, you could put 20% down, 10% down, and 5% down. Well, I ended up having this guy who was a contractor, a girl that he said was like his daughter, um, he wanted to help her out and get into her own house, but she didn't have established credit yet. So I was like, okay, so you can get into this house. And I think my expenses per month were, uh, let's just say it was around a thousand because I don't remember exactly what it was. So he gave me $20,000 down and he was paying me $1,500 a month. So I got $20,000 upfront on this. Plus I was getting $500 a month, which is $6,000 a year in cash flow. Uh, well, about a year and a half, into uh owning it she decides they get in like some sort of fight she decides she doesn't want to live there anymore and he ends up holding the bag on this he as a contractor did a lot of work to the house probably put about 20 to thirty thousand dollars into it and he tried to sell it for way more than what it was worth so he because with the lease options you give them the ability to sell it so there really is no hard eviction process it's if somebody doesn't pay you it's actually been way easier with my lease options than it has the regular rentals. If somebody doesn't pay you to say, hey, look, buy this contract. You have the ability to turn around and sell this. So your exit strategy isn't to, you know, um, just leave and lose your money, you know, because I don't want you to lose $20,000. Your exit strategy is to sell it. So he turned around and tried to sell it. Well, what happens? In a normal eviction, someone damages the property and they leave, right? Mm-hmm. Or they, they leave their stuff and it's just like, you know, you got some cleanup and maintenance to do. Well, he ended up fixing up the property and exiting the property. So it was in pristine conzi- uh, condition. Well, two months goes by. He can't sell it at 260 what he put it on the market for. And he says, look, I just got to stop the bleeding on this. I got to turn this back over to you. I just don't want this to hurt my credit. I said, no problem. So I took the house back. So I did it again. Uh, new couple. Uh, they kind of both had... You know, just gotten divorces and just got married, bringing a bunch of kids on together. They put thirty thousand dollars down. At this point, the property had appreciated, so two thirty nine was the purchase price. Sorry about the vote in the back. Um, two thirty nine was the purchase price, so the value had increased. They put thirty thousand dollars down, and I got eighteen hundred dollars a month in rent. So now I'm cash flowing eight hundred dollars a month, while already keeping the twenty thousand from before. Um, and then they get a divorce (laughs) and they just leave the house and I say, Hey, same thing. Hey, look, you can sell it. Look, we're just done with the house. We're done with each other. So essentially in two years, I got a free 50 grand on this particular house. And then the last couple ended up buying it. They put $40,000 down and they were, uh, their rent was 2000 a month and it was the same purchase price, 239,000 and I ended up just making a ton of money on just that one house turning it into a cash cow. And that's why I love the lease options, because they're responsible for the house. Mm -hmm. They've got skin in the game. AC breaks, they fix it. Plumbing breaks, they fix it. You know, they can put renovations as long as they confirm with you. You're not running out there. You're not hustling people. Um, You know, hustling people down for money is just, it's it's a very easy game, and uh, you got your exit strategy already lined up, so that's incredible. What a good kind of situation you
0: have in the properties. You brought that foreclosure in cash and then you, did you and then you refi it out into a loan, is that what you did?
1: Yeah, I refi it out to uh, I want to say it was like 140 or 150. So I actually got paid a little bit on the refi as well, uh, which is tax-free money. Um, so I want to say it was like in that range. Incredible. That's an awesome story. Good for you. Awesome property. And so now <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about today with all
0: this going on in the book out here, Seven Day Real Estate Survival Blueprint. What's next?
1: Um, you know, so I'm, I'm going to continue to see if I can expand the amount of people that I can help, you know, at this point. Um, like I said, I'm still an investor, but it does make me feel good to put my head down on the pillow and, and uh, to get those testimonies in from people who are like, hey, man, thank you for helping me quit my job and spend more time with my kids or pursue this dream or pursue that dream. So that's what, you know, that's what I'm doing now. I'm, I do mentorship. I have a course, you know, I've got the book. And, um, and at this point it's just reaching as many people as possible. That's a lot of fun for me.
0: I love it. I love it. And that, that probably leads us into, but what
1: would you, your big why be for everything you're doing? So, um, when I was, when I was opening up the arena, uh, my consultant, first thing he did was send me back this questionnaire and the questionnaire had this quote on it. And I thought it was going to be like a feasibility study, but it was all that internal work, you know, what, what drives you. And, uh, the, the quote was from Albert Schweitzer and it said, this much I know, those of you who have, uh, sought and found a way to serve will really be happy. And so that just kind of stood out to me. Like, you know, I, I thought I'd be happy if I just had a ton of money. You know, or I thought I'd be happy if I just didn't have to deal with these headaches headaches at work. Um, but really, you know, I've I've kind of made it my life's mission to find ways every day to serve other people at a higher level. And so that's that's kind of what internally drives me is is I, I want to be happy, and I just figured out that being happy means serving other people.
0: It's amazing, amazing. Well, thank you so much for this. For listeners who are and you'd be a great one to ask this question, right? So, so for listeners who, who today are just in your position, right? Or, or they're just trying to get off, off the curb or get off the couch and get started. What would one actual step be for them to do right now to get going in their real estate journey?
1: All right. So for, for the listeners, I, I'm, I'm assuming most right. As, as, as like remedially educated in real estate enough to make an offer, well, the sure. first step is Absolutely. to make offers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because money follows the deals. Everybody wants to know what the first step is with real estate, and it's, it's to get out there and start analyzing deals and making offers. And if you don't know how to do that, uh, I'm sure you've got some resources. They can pick up my book. Um, it's free. All you've got to do is, is pay for the, the shipping of it. Um, how do we find and, uh So it's uh, cashflowdadlife.com slash the number seven. Um, you can get it on Amazon for like $20, but I think it's like a $7 or $9 shipping charge if you get it at that link. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. Well, Ryan, this has been incredible. Learned a ton. It's been great to connect. With, for listeners who want to connect more with you, uh, even find out about more of the resources you have, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh,
1: they can either either email me at support at cashflowdadlife.com or uh, if, if they get the book, they're in the network and, uh, and they can start connect me. That's incredible.
0: Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I, uh, I really enjoyed it.
0: That's incredible. Well, Ryan, thank you so much. And to all the listeners out there, we really appreciate you checking us out. If you like what you hear today, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. Again, you can find us on YouTube as well. So you can see this sick, background that Ryan has right in his backyard here. Really appreciate Ryan. Really appreciate all of you listeners out there for taking the time to check out what we have going on today. And again, this is Jason with the Real Estate and Foundation Podcast. Until next time. Bye now.
1: Ooh.